0: Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning, I'm James Holman from the Washington Post and this is the Daily 202 for Monday, December 2nd. In today's news, the White House turns down an invitation to participate in Wednesday's impeachment hearing. Two more Democratic presidential candidates drop out of the 2020 race, and 19 are dead after a gun battle just south of the border. But first, the big idea. By the end of this month, more than 500 Ukrainian prosecutors will be out of their jobs as part of a sweeping professional review under Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Among the prosecutors heading for the exits, a key contact for Rudy Giuliani. The prosecutor purge is just one of several corruption-busting efforts set in motion by Zelensky. But it puts into sharp relief his twin challenges, trying to balance his clean government promises at home with his needs to keep President Trump from turning against him and his country. Zelensky's bind is not hard to spot. Trump's views on Ukraine and his demands to investigate the Biden family were largely shaped by Giuliani. The theories and opinions that were passed to the president's personal lawyer came from the very officials whom Ukrainian activists say are, in fact, the prime corruption culprits in their own system. Now that Zelensky's reform push is underway, some of those Giuliani-linked officials are in the crosshairs. A prosecutor named Konstantin Kulik is one of the first. He was a key player in the effort to provide Giuliani with political ammunition of dubious accuracy. Zelensky's new hand-picked prosecutor general, Ruslan Ryabashopka, last week gave a dismissal notice to Kulik. Kulik denies meeting Giuliani, but former associates say he prepared a seven-page dossier that his boss later passed along to the former New York City mayor. Kulik was fired after failing to turn up for an examination that was part of a review process that will assess prosecutors across the country. At least 569 other prosecutors have also failed to meet the standards of the review and will be laid off this month. Shapka has also started to audit how previous investigations were pursued against the owner of Burisma, the natural gas company that employed former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. But anti-corruption activists say the audit is unlikely to produce any new information that would lead to evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Biden, since no evidence has emerged. But Burisma executives could still get indicted for other crimes and graft, including conduct that predates Hunter Biden joining their board. Western diplomats in Kyiv tell our reporters on the ground, Michael Birnbaum and David Stern, that despite the intense pressure from the White House, Zelensky appears unlikely to give in. Zelensky, who was a comedian and entertainer before getting elected president, promised Ukrainians he could finally deliver on the hopes of the 2014 revolution that only partially drove out Ukraine's old guard. Many citizens thought judges still could be bought by the highest bidder. They hated having to pay regular bribes for driver's licenses or construction permits. Now, half a year into Zelensky's tenure and just three months into his control of parliament, he's tried to move as quickly as possible in his anti-corruption counterpunches, fearful that he has only a limited amount of time before his political capital slips away. Ukraine's parliament did vote to strip members of parliament of immunity from prosecution. That's a big deal. Anti-corruption activists who clashed with Zelensky's predecessor say they're surprised and they finally feel movement within a system that has long resisted meaningful change. But there's a long history of dashed expectations from people who come in as reformers. And given that, some Western diplomats and activists say the truest test of whether Zelensky's efforts will endure will simply be time. And some big questions remain unresolved, including Zelensky's relationship with one of Ukraine's richest men, Ihor Kolominsky whose television stations helped fuel his rise and who's now demanding the return of his banking empire that was nationalized back in 2016. Zelensky's chief of staff used to work for Kolominsky, and so did Zelensky. Will the oligarch get what he wants? We'll see. Ukraine's previous president, Petro Poroshenko, was a candy oligarch, who had built his own business and was greeted with caution by the activists who took to the streets in late 2013 and early 2014 to demand clean government and European integration from the Russian-friendly President Viktor Yanukovych. Although Poroshenko overhauled the gas sector and made other key changes during his early months in office, he ultimately disappointed many reformers by appointing a series of prosecutors general whom Western diplomats believed to be corrupt. Poroshenko also broke a campaign promise to sell his candy empire if he was elected. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, White House counsel Pat Cipollone told the House Judiciary Committee in a five-page letter last night that Trump will not participate in its first impeachment hearing on Wednesday. Cipollone said the invitation from Chairman Jerry Nadler, a Democrat from New York, does not begin to provide the president with any semblance of a fair process. He didn't rule out participating in future hearings, but he asked Nadler to detail his plans for the upcoming proceedings, including whether he'll allow further testimony and cross-examination of fact witnesses, among them those who already testified before the House Intelligence Committee. Cipollone also said Republicans should be able to call additional witnesses. On Sunday, on the shows, Democrats called on the White House to cooperate, suggesting an innocent person would have no problem testifying. But there is a conflict inside the House GOP over the extent to which Trump and his congressional defenders ought to engage, even as Republicans signal that they'll continue their aggressive campaign to delegitimize the process as corrupt and unfair. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, Doug Collins of Georgia, the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee, said he understood why the White House would want to skip the Wednesday hearing, calling it just another rerun covering ground already surveyed in previous hearings. Members of the House Intelligence Committee will review the completed draft of their report detailing their findings from the investigation into the Ukraine conduct by the president, and then they'll vote tomorrow on party lines to formally transmit their report to the Judiciary Committee, which will then release it to the public. Number two, Montana Governor Steve Bullock announced this morning that he is dropping out of the presidential race. He was the only Democratic candidate who had won statewide in a state that Donald Trump carried in 2016, and he was the only sitting governor in the race. Bullock announced that he still does not plan to run for Senate. Former Congressman Joe Sestak, meanwhile, who never put together a real campaign, unlike Bullock, also dropped out of the race last night after talking with his family over Thanksgiving. Pete Buttigieg, who has been winning over the moderates that both Bullock and Sestak hoped they could appeal to, is on a swing through the South early this week to show he can make inroads with black voters. On Sunday, he used a North Carolina church visit to issue a moral call to unity. Number three, At least 19 people were killed in northern Mexico this weekend after members of a cartel battled with police and the army at a city hall. The assault started at around noon on Saturday on the eve of President André Manuel Lopez Obrador's first anniversary in office. Polls show Mexicans regard the failure to curb violence as the greatest weakness of the generally popular leftist leader. The attack in the town of Villa Union, around 40 miles southwest of Eagle Pass, Texas, highlighted how the splintering of Mexico's top cartels has actually sparked more violence. It was believed to be carried out by the Cartel of the Northeast. That's an offshoot of the once powerful Zetas, which is based in the border city of Nuevo Laredo. Several groups that spun off from the Gulf and Zetas cartels are now fighting with each other in really fierce combat. The attackers swept into Villa Union in at least 14 trucks, some of them armored and bearing the cartel's logo. The gunmen unleashed a furious battle at the town hall, peppering the building with bullets. Terrified residents shut themselves in their homes. The attackers fled after about 90 minutes. Mexican police and soldiers backed up by a squadron of army helicopters chased them in an operation that stretched into Sunday. The dead include four state police officers, 13 alleged cartel members, and two civilians who were kidnapped and killed by the cartel. This shootout comes just days after Trump announced that he's planning on designating Mexico's cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, a move Mexico's government opposes. Attorney General Bill Barr is headed to Mexico City this week to discuss Trump's plan with the president. Authorities in Mexico also arrested several people yesterday, suspected of involvement in the murders of those nine Mormons who were living in Sonora. Officials didn't provide any details. Julian LeBaron, a spokesman for the family, said the three suspects that they heard about being detained on Sunday are just, as he put it, low-level thugs. He and about 50 other members of his extended family are scheduled to meet with Lopez Obrador later today. He said the family isn't satisfied with just arresting the trigger men. They want the detention of, as he put it, the people who were responsible for giving the order to carry out attacks on Americans. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, December 2nd. Hopefully you had a relaxing Thanksgiving. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. It's updated whenever news happens. You can subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. I'll talk to you tomorrow.